All right, you ready? We got this. Let's go. Good morning. It is Wednesday. It's freaking Wednesday. <laughs> I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. And we're the Run Galilee Girls. And welcome to the third episode of our podcast. We are so excited. Thank you so much for all of the amazing um, just like feedback and support and um, being kind of cool with us spamming this pod to like everyone and everywhere. We just are so grateful because this is so much fun for us. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we dive into, we actually have some notes today, some topics we wanted to dive into. I know. I hope we get through all of them. <laughs> yeah. So first one we have was um, this recent, uh, again, Steve Magnus, one of our oh my favorite gosh, right? writers. So Steve Magnus put up this post on Instagram last week. Slash Twitter. (laughs) And it says ways to live healthier and longer that are backed by actual evidence. And the first one is exercise most days a week, conversationally, occasionally intense. Strength train, eat mostly real foods, cultivate genuine relationships, sleep seven plus hours, don't smoke, (laughs) and have ways to cope with stress. He has a lot more information on there, but I want to, I like when I read this, I was like, this is essentially everything that we talk about on the podcast. Yeah. And everything we kind of talk about in life. In general, because like we exercise mostly conversationally, we are trying to strength train. This is something I'm not great at. (laughs) And we're going to need to get better as, as we age. As we age. Uh, we like to eat mostly real foods, but we love our junk. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have a genuine relationship and we have genuine relationships yeah. with our families. And I and would say, and, and, yeah, and we have pretty much um, like cut out toxic, you know, people. We have pretty small right. friend groups. We're, yeah. And we're very, we don't really keep those acquaintance relationships going, I would say. We yeah. Do yeah. If it's and even if um even if our friends we don't see them as often like mm-hmm. if if we touch base to you at all we consider you a genuine relationship and and we try to cultivate by reaching out but, right yeah, right but even hard. but that that's the big thing about friendships quantity of time does not equal quality time like mm-hmm. my best friend lives in Seattle there were months where we don't talk to each other at all and then the point of a good relationship and is when you do connect, it's just as valuable as if no time had passed at yes. all. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And then obviously don't smoke and then have ways to cope with stress. And we'll probably deep dive into how sometimes, you know, things that start out as ways to cope with stress can be really negative. So mm-hmm. learning healthy habits to cope with stress, like in healthy ways, that's, that's really important. So I think that that's, uh, that was just like a really cool way to start off today. And yeah, maybe we should talk a little bit about our run yesterday too. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. So, um, for you, for people that don't know, we have our shared, obviously, okay, if you're listening to this, you know we have a shared Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, like, no real way of how we divvy up how we post on it. We, honestly, whoever takes the picture and has time will post. Sometimes yeah. if I take the picture, I'm like, I don't have time to post, and I'll just send it to, send it to yeah. Naomi and she'll post. And we just, like, 
We don't talk about what we're going to post on there before we do it. It's just like freeform spill out of our faces. Yeah, stream of consciousness. Yeah, and so (laughs) yesterday, without even talking to Naomi, I was like, we're going to celebrate the DNF because that was something that David and Megan talked about on uh, some work I'll some play. work I'll play, which we're super fans. Obviously, if yeah. you heard our intro, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, David was talking about how he DNF'd a trail race, and I don't know was that recent or is, or is this back in the archives that I'm listening to? Um, no, it was recent, but I don't know if the race was recent. Okay, it was on our episode. Okay, because so. I was not listening to this podcast forever. Naomi was like, you have to listen, you have to listen, you have to listen. So I started listening. And I, I just listened. kept quoting them. Like, yeah. every time we're out running, I'm just yeah. quoting David and Meg. Yeah, so I I was like, okay, fine. So I listened to the most recent episode at the time, and they kept referencing episode 83 about fatigue resistance. So I was like, oh. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sold. I love it. I listened to them on 1.2 speed. We sound great on 1.2 speed. Okay. So I listened to that recent episode and was like, okay, I'm super sold. And so I went back to episode 83, Fatigue Resistance, and I've been listening, catching up. But then as soon as a new episode drops, I listen to the new episode and then I go back and listen. So I'm on episode 98 or 99 and then I'm also listening to current episodes. So that's why I was like, oh, is it recent or was this like back last year? Um, so anyway, he talks about celebrating a DNF. So that's what I posted yesterday. So yesterday we went out for a workout and it was supposed to just be goal marathon pace. Yeah. It was two full, two miles. Two by one mile. With, yeah, with a three minute recovery. A three minute recovery and then four half miles. Right. And it was super doable and I felt great and my except the front of my shin on my left leg like cramped yeah. that's the best and I like found the spot and like I got at it with oh, a Theragun um but it had happened a little bit during our workout on Sunday and it was just it was just too much and like it was painful yeah and I like I probably Except I could barely walk. I could probably push through, but I could it's barely walk. seizing up. So, like, yeah. there, sometimes there's just nothing you can do about that. And so, Naomi was, like, such a good sport. And I felt so bad for, like, like costing her workout. Because she was like, no, I'll just stay with you. It's fine. Like, well, I'll just skip the workout, too. And we ran easy miles. And, um, and then I started to think, I was like, no, you know what? I listened to my body. And that's a that's a good thing, right? I listened to, hey, you're building up a lot of mileage. I looked back at my training, which I'm trying not to pay too much attention to, like, caught up in the numbers. But I was like, wow, I had a huge training jump. Like, I had a huge volume jump, a huge intensity jump. And I was like, okay, this, this is not bad. This is just where I'm at. Yeah. It's really hard because we, you know, most of us, most runners, we're a little bit type A or a lot type mm-hmm. A. We want to stick to that schedule. We both felt kind of good and kind of, you know, energized to do the workout, which sometimes it's not the case. And right. if one of us decides to bail, we're like, yes. But actually, right. it was hard. Like, it was hard to say, okay, we'll just, we just won't do it today. And, like, it was a little disappointing. But I remembered, like, you know, all through when I went through my last pregnancy and how, like, Liz would, you know, we would modify and do what I needed to do. 
And then she would get her workouts in other times because I wasn't able to do the workout. <laughs> I so did I not. Know. I just, or I just ran easy other days. <laughs> or Yeah, or however you did it. And I was like, you know what? That's This is the cycle for us right now. This is the season for us right now with you yeah. with IVF and everything else. We are going to have to modify on the fly and right. be okay with it. Right. And I mean, you're still dealing with a pretty pretty bad case of PF yes. in one in one foot. And so do you want to share a little bit about your about your treatments sure. with it? Yeah. So the so this case of planter, I had never had planter in my life, which I feel really lucky now, thinking about it, how common it is for runners. But um it started back in probably July, June or July of twenty two. I was ramping up mileage for the New York City Marathon. And it would come and go. Like I was Yeah, it was really of, intermittent. It was. I was able to kind of, you know, work through it and rest it just enough um, to hold it back. And then over the course of like, not right, not leading right up to the marathon, New York City, but after that, throughout November and December, it kind of got way worse. And I got desperate. And we were like, I was ready to throw anything at it. It had already been, you know, doing massage and like orthotics and the splint at night and all the the home remedies. Right. um, Ice and heat. Right. And so we talked about um, PRP injections, mm-hmm. and and then so I basically went, I you know found a, a it's a Ortho Virginia, so they're they're an ortho practice, but they have all kinds of doctors there. So I got a podiatrist there, right, a foot and ankle specialist, yeah, yeah. To, to you know basically just went in there and said, here's the deal, and I want PRP. And um, so he actually, um, Dr. Luda, he was like, well, wait a second, before we do PRP, let me tell you about a different treatment. So it's, um, for those of you who haven't heard of it, because I hadn't before, it's commonly called shockwave. It's uh, extracorporeal pulsar therapy, or there's a few different names for it, but it's essentially, it's shockwave. It uses sound waves. Um, and so this treatment is about half the cost of PRP. Which is good. So that's nice. Especially out if of you're, pocket. especially if you're going to try it as a first line, like because if it works, you're half the cost. If it right. doesn't work, sure you've spent and you decide to go to PRP, you haven't spent 150 or you haven't spent 200 percent of the cost. You've spent just 50 percent right. more because that that can be some issues. Like I'm only relating this back yeah. to like infertility, so. Um, a lot of people try uh, IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, which is like, um, like people like you go in and the doctor shoots the sperm up. And so it's then like a turkey baster. It's like a turkey baster, but <laughs> but it's not. And the turkey baster would just be intracervical. But anyway, so a lot of people try IUIs first because they're cheaper, but the medication isn't much cheaper, mm. and the procedure is cheaper. But if it only has like it only brings you up to like your natural fertility level. So really, at best, it's like fifteen to twenty percent chance that it will work. No, if it works, it's a hundred percent chance. <laughs> but a lot of people will try like four, five, six IUIs at, because they're like IVF so expensive. But then they add up what six IUIs is, and it's the same cost as one IVF cycle. Plus, it could be six months of like if you're right. worried about time, well, and age, and, and that's that's it. When you're when you're over like. 38, you should go direct, and you're having any issues getting pregnant, you should try to go directly to IVF. Like, it, like the success rate, it's not do IVF and get a baby. Like, that's not the success rates. And age alone at 30, even at 38, which I'm 40, at 38, 
one IVF cycle only has a 40% chance of working. And that's if all the other factors of your fertility are perfect. So now by three cycles, you have a very good chance. I mean, unfortunately, my stats are a little, little worse than that, but we do have one perfect embryo, which she has a 60% chance of working. So nice. which fingers crossed, yeah. but I know that's a long diatribe into like <laughs> infertility, but um, that's where that's what I'm going yeah. through. But that's um, you know that's kind of it's nice that with the foot treatments you do like just the cheaper treatment once or like one round of it, mm -hmm. and then if it doesn't work, you've got something directly to go to. It sounds like you wouldn't keep recommending more shockwave if you're right. if it's not working. Yeah, the general it looks like you know we I looked at some studies and listed too. Generally, they don't don't do more than like six rounds, and so typically they start with three rounds of the shockwave. So again, yeah, it's half the price of PRP, but it's still not it's still out of pocket. It's four hundred fifty bucks for the three treatments yeah which so 150 some I've seen some places about 100 but we live in the DC area so everything yeah. is pricey oh I was talking um, to um I was talking to Kendall um uh via Instagram messenger about the cost of daycare and she oh was like gosh. oh my gosh it's so expensive I pay 300 a week per child I was like my child cares over 500 a week per child <laughs> yeah so, it's, it's all uh, so subjective yeah and she was like where are you I was like we're in the DC area and the cost yeah. the livable wage here is $23 an hour but I think about $23 an hour I couldn't live off no, of that no like, can't so um I mean wow this podcast can be about <laughs> anything can't it <laughs> So, so, so the so the comparison um, PRP versus uh, shockwave, the efficacy is still about eighty percent for both. Yeah. So that and then that was that was a big consideration. It wasn't just cost, obviously, because I was ready to throw anything at this. Yeah. And then the third thing um, that my doctor said was, well, there's no downtime with shockwave yes. versus PRP. You're going to end up. I mean, it depends on the area of the body. Some areas you can probably just keep going, but if it's your foot, you're probably going to be. I've read, you know, it's going to be at least two to five days of kind of staying off it, maybe even booted, and it could be two weeks up to six weeks. Right. So depending on how and you were you weren't willing to do that now. The, the I was or like was, right, you were willing to do it now. Now the risk with the shockwave mm -hmm. is we're going to get to a point where like if it's painful but like manageable, you might be like, okay, the PRP is an after the marathon thing. Right. 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 So like, timing wise, because right. we've got train you know a schedule yeah so hopefully hopefully the shockwave either cures it or cures it enough to get you to may right <laughs> right yeah exactly and then because you were planning um like we've joked so naomi turns 40 in june and we've joked about like zero like 0 0.4 miles in june for your 40th <laughs> or or maybe just 40 miles or something like that because she really has not had an off month at all like went directly from New York City into still kept a really great base for um, like through December, even though she got COVID and didn't know it. And then here we are in January back in training. Right. And so, um, you know, really taking a month off like would be it would be so great. Really and you guys have that great vacation. We do. That's right. We're going so, to St. Martin. In yeah. June. But yeah, so I originally was looking for a race on my birthday because it is a weekend this year and then but then when we decided mountains beach would be our since yeah. this birthday is in, in may yeah and erin out in seattle her birthday is in june. in june so we're kind of doing a, yeah. a birthday 
And then Sarah's birthday is in June, too, and Sarah's coming with us. So, yeah, so it'll be fun. Although we do have a race locally that's on your birthday that we've been tossing back and forth, Mm -hmm. which would be a sprint triathlon. (laughs) Naomi's never done a triathlon. Very first triathlon. So (laughs) we may think about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, so hopefully we're all healthy and good and amazing by that point. Yes. Um, so we have a couple more show notes, which is really exciting. And I actually have a little field trip to share. <laughs> so um, we both wear the Phoenix 6S and we have the exact same one. It's the gray <laughs> and rose gold. And in fact, this is a really funny story. Um, we both had the Phoenix 5S and then I upgraded to, and I want to say, was it my first, was the Phoenix 5 my, oh no, I, okay, so long story long, Naomi had a Forerunner mm-hmm. and I had an Apple Watch and I would wear the Vivo, like the very first Vivo something from Garmin that was like little square. It was super cute. I loved that yeah. watch, but they were only running watches. And then Naomi talked about it or upgraded to the Phoenix 5S And then I was like, I want it. So I ditched the Apple Watch and it was really, really hard, but I could never go back to Apple, to the 5. And then when the 6 came out, the 5, was it the 5 Pro or the 5 Plus Plus. was in between. We didn't get that one. Then when the 6 came out, I got the 6. And I was like, Naomi, you should upgrade. And she's like, no, I just can't do it right right now. And so then... There's nothing wrong with my thigh. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and so I had the white one with the rose gold band. And then Naomi got the gray and rose gold for her birthday in 26. In, yeah. 21. Yeah. 2021. And I was like, oh, I want to match. So I literally, <laughs> I had this watch already. I had it already. But it was color. a different color. Well, and it wasn't yes. sapphire. So it didn't have the sapphire screen. So right. I upgraded to the gray. Sapphire. And then I gave Lauren the, well, gave, I she I think she paid $300 for the um, white one. So because she also had a five. And we were like, the metrics are so much better. And so speaking of the metrics, what's re- what's been really nice with the six is Garmin keeps sending firmware updates, which mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't do, or maybe it right. wasn't possible to do on the 5. So when the 7 came out, they sent all these updates to the 6. And so we got things like heart rate variability data, mm-hmm. which we've been super obsessed with. And so that is something that we've both been watching, which is our HRV. And so I was just checking. Mine from last night was 31, which sounds super low, but that is actually right in the middle of my balanced. Um, For some reason, my HRV data, I just have a very low range and I'm working on it. And we're... And it just might be your range. Like it's weird because yeah we you know we look at mine as a compare we can't compare and my right. my you know mine last night was 91 and that's pretty high like my base though it says is 83 to 102 okay and that's like again mm. that's pretty high it's pretty good range right, according right. to like if you look at what HRV data right but HRV data across the board for, says yeah. like under 60 and you're in trouble it's and so I'm low, trying yeah. to find out like Why? okay why is my range this low? What does this mean overall? And so I'm like, well, is the watch giving me like true data? Mm-hmm. And so I did some reading yesterday about the Garmin HRV data. 
Um, and actually, the comparison between the Phoenix 7 and the Phoenix 6, basically, the verdict is if you have the 6, there's no reason to upgrade to the 7, oh, which was like really good to know because um, the 6 is still a great watch. And if you do tend to upgrade your technology every two years, they said even to buy new because the price of the six has come down. They said, go ahead and buy the six now. And by the time you're ready to upgrade, the next model will be out. So that was it. That was the, obviously they're not trying to sell sevens on this, uh, on this review website, but this reviewer looked head to head. Now they did look at the seven. They looked head to head at the HRV data between the aura ring, but this was the second generation ring. And now they're on to the third and the, Garmin, and they were very, very similar. So, mm-hmm. I so it's have, accurate. So or... very accurate. So I have been like wanting these this Aura ring forever, just because it does temperature reading, and so for fertility mm-hmm. tracking, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. And so um, I read head to head on like this is so boring, but <laughs> sorry guys, I read head to head about the Garmin, the Whoop, and the Aura, mm-hmm. and the Aura wins hands down. It's the more, it's more expensive. It, it's super sensitive. It's just, it charges faster. Hmm. It's more resilient when wet because the, the big complaint about the whoop is sure you can wear it in the water, but the soft band, then you have a wet band on your wrist forever. Wow. So the aura ring is, um, it, it just like hands down was the best as far as sleep tracking and all of that sleep and recovery tracking. And so I went to the TheraBody store last night at the mall to like try on the sizing. And I was like, I'm going to buy it here. No, you can't buy it in the store. You have to order it. But they (laughs) had the sizing kits there and I got to feel it and it's so light. It's incredible. So I think I am going to get it only for temperature, like only because it adds this uh, layer of temperature tracking. And I wonder if the data would be any different Um, because the sensors are in a different spot. So we'll see. It'll be a cool little N of one experiment. Um, but it was, it was so interesting how light it was, which was really, really incredible. Um, yeah, it weighed like nothing. It was, it, I I know it's not plastic. I want to say it's like titanium and resin, but like it was, it was crazy. Real quick. Let's for, for everybody who doesn't know, is not like, a science nerd. What is HRV? Heart rate oh, variability. What is yes. and what's the importance of it? Like okay, so really HRV is your heart rate variability, and it is personal, and it is the difference between each beat of like it's the interval between beats of heart, uh, beats of your heart, because your your heart is not a metronome; it's right. not clicking off the same. So even if you're sixty beats per minute or forty beats per minute or whatever your base heart rate is there's there is a a variability a, between right, each the beat. timing of um yeah and if you have high heart rate variability you have lots of variability between each beats which means your body is very much in a relaxed state overall or it's recovering from stress really well right. and if you have a low heart rate variability you are in more of a fight or flight state and so that like you're more like Almost like on that, on the edge of, of anxious or adrenaline yeah, surge, basically. Which 
Which is interesting. So your autonomic nervous system is probably, and your autonomic nervous system is fun, is responsible for like everything that you don't think you're about in your body, right? So your breathing and your heart rate, things that you are yeah. unconsciously being controlled. And so, um, so your autonomic nervous system is just on high alert if you have low heart rate variability, which would make sense that my numbers are lower because I have on an autonomic dysfunction syndrome, um, called dysautotomnia. And it is specifically, I have POTS and I've, I've suffered from it since I was in high school. It's related to a condition I have called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which means my connective tissue is stretchier than others. So it's a collagen dysfunction. Um, my skin is stretchier. My joints and ligaments are stretchier. I'm more, at, more prone to dislocations and injuries. Um, because of Ehlers-Danlos and actually related, um, so this goes in. The gene is on the same, it's on the uh, same chromosome on the same arm as another condition and close to the celiac disease. So they tend to be linked genetics as well. So all of this looping back, like it does explain why, your why my HRV is lower. A different range. Um, yeah, but range. heart rate variability, when you're tracking it for yourself, you get a couple of weeks of data and then you find that range and then it can be, and now it does take a couple of days sometimes for your heart rate variability to kind of drop after something like intense exercise or not or, eating enough yeah. or It may drop sick. that night. Like you might see the difference. You run a hard, an effort, a hard effort or a race, you may see a drop immediately where it tanks and then it may stay tanked for three, four days after like a race. Right. I've seen it on my data. And then yeah. once you get some good sleep, get some, you know, make sure you're having, you're feeling properly and resting enough, it'll, it'll come back climb to back range. up. Yeah. And I've noticed that I've noticed that one of the ways that my heart rate variability will come up is if I really focus on getting more protein mm -hmm. during the day, really recovering and, um, and like even when I'm feeling good, if my heart rate variability was low overnight to just give myself one more rest day, like that has really helped it come back up and help me be a little more resistant to it dropping out of my range during training. Yeah. So, and now, okay, what if you don't have something that's tracking heart rate mm -hmm. variability? Can you still pay attention to this? Sure you can. You can pay attention to how you feel when you wake up in the morning. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my gosh. like maybe, I need three more hours of sleep. <clears throat> right. Maybe throw a little protein on it. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you're training. If you're training and you're trying to follow a schedule, look at what you did the day before. If it was a rest day the day before and you've got a workout coming up, maybe move your workout to another day and just run easy. Um, if it is... A rest day, sure, and you had to work out the day before, sure, you should feel, you might feel a little tired, but maybe reevaluate how hard you pushed during your workouts. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> like we said, like I said, throw a little protein on it. Mm -hmm. How much protein are you getting in your food? Um, because if you're not getting enough protein in what you're actually eating, and women's protein needs go up incredibly, especially as we get, you know, over 35 and we're, we are constantly fighting, not just it being harder to gain muscle, but we're fighting losing 5% of our muscle, muscle. Yeah. 
even if we keep everything the same, like we will lose muscle as we get older. Mm-hmm. And that's just a fact of life and a fact of everything. So men too. It's a, but yeah, over, what is it? Age 30 for pretty much everybody starts to decline. And then yeah. For, yeah, for women, we really lose muscle and of yeah. course bone mass. Yeah. And so, bone density. so throwing a little protein on it, we both, um, have been adding protein shakes. Yeah. Uh, some days I add, I'm drinking like three protein shakes, which sounds ridiculous, but I'm, I'll look at, um, in the morning I'll have one with my little breakfast and that, and I'm horrible about eating breakfast. So I just okay. got some like bars and stuff to like and yogurts, things that are really easy. And so when I combine that, like 180 calories of protein, um, which is pretty low calorie if you think about it, like close your eyes and remember that sodas are 120 calories. 160 in like a full-size Coke. A full-size Coke? Okay. Ginger ale, I think, is 120. That's why. Okay. So (laughs) pretend, pretend that you haven't had... 40 years of diet culture telling you that regular soda is bad for you because regular soda is delicious and fantastic for you in moderation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to die on that cross. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm going to die on that sword. Like regular soda is great and fantastic and great for you in moderation. Okay. So if you can drink a soda, let's pretend that you would drink a soda with your lunch. You can drink 180 calories or, of a protein right. shake with your lunch mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> and so that's really how I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Or if I, you're willing to get a, a Starbucks that's, you know, sweetened or something, that might have 120, 150 calories. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, this way you're at least getting 20 grams Nutrition. of protein. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the Orgain protein. I also have the Vital Proteins Collagen Protein, um, the chocolate one. It's really good. And so I make this, like, so again, I have ADHD and with my medicine, I'm not always hungry. Mm-hmm. And so I will make this super thick protein drink that is two scoops of orgain. So that's one serving plus a half a serving of the vital proteins. I mix it all together so that I can get like, oh, I'm not hungry right now, but I know I need some calories because that the vital protein one has a lot more calories in it too. It's dense. And- yeah. And it's both collagen and I think it's collagen and whey. I'll have to look at it, yeah. but I will put up like what proteins we love, mm-hmm. um, on a, we're going to have a blog of like what we love today. Like it's just going to be a running thing of like what proteins we love, what mm-hmm. protein powders we love, what supplements we're taking, what brands we love. And these are all brands we love. If we ever get sponsored, we'll let you know if it's a sponsorship. Right. But just know that even if we ever get sponsors. It'd be something we'd be buying anyway. Right. Because we're not about to partner with something right. that we don't use ourselves. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, we did reach out to Athletic Greens because that's actually one of the things I've been yeah. drinking every I morning. I drink it every morning. It's great. I yeah. get this instant kind of boost of energy. And I feel like I'm getting some... You're getting all of your vitamins. (laughs) Well, you're getting all of your vitamins. Yeah. And vitamins and minerals. And it's it tastes pretty good. Tastes great. And I haven't noticed necessarily I I haven't been tracking well enough to notice if it pushed my HRV up or not, like David was talking about. But I know that it can't hurt. Right. So it has, um, yeah, I don't think it's changed my HRV, but I do get a little like, you know, it feels like I have a little extra energy. 
without yeah. drinking that instead of coffee first thing. A lot of times I won't have coffee for another hour or two. And then... Oh, that's smart. It does taste, I drink them together. It tastes fruity <laughs> to me. It's like it doesn't... I think it tastes, it tastes really good, good to too. Me. Yeah, I think so. it has like a little bit of a banana and like a kiwi and a white grape taste. So. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking right now, if you can see the video. Um, so, yeah. And then, so we updated you on kind of our training. We talked about HRV. Um, we have on our, like, little notes what we're reading right now. And that kind of, like, pulls into, like, training and a little bit. Naomi is reading Running with the Kenyans. Yeah. So and I'm going to chat on that. I'm going to butcher his last name, the author. So let me pull his name up real quick. Um, but, yeah, Running with the Kenyans. So basically this author um, decided to – he's he's in uh, the U.K. He decided to find out what is the secret, why are the Kenyans the best in the world when it comes to long-distance running and, well – Pretty much any running from, you know, 5 to right. 10K on up. Um, so, yeah, Finn is what he goes by, but its name is Adharananand. So, yeah, totally. I'm going to butcher it. I'm so sorry. Finn. I know he goes by Finn in the book. So, he basically decides to kind of uproot his whole family. He's got three kids. It takes his wife. They move to Kenya um, to kind of figure out what the secrets are. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. So, basically, the, you know, it, a lot of it has to do with um, fatigue learning how to basically it's fatigue resistance. So as young kids in Kenya, they pretty much don't really wear shoes and they have to walk slash run at least three miles to school each day. Hey, so I kind of like that. Yeah. Like, and if they don't make it on time, which by the way, they're getting to school at like six, six thirty in the morning. If they're late, they literally get beaten. So it's, there's definitely a downside to uh, this, yeah. but it's so culturally like they are, you know, they're getting to school by on foot um, and mostly barefoot. How, they, uh, how badly do you think Lila would revolt if you made her walk to school every day? It's like, okay, she it might be a while, but, like, she has a hard time walking to the bus stop because it's so early She's at 8.30. Yeah, she can't get out of there, my daughter. But she uh, she actually enjoys the walk when we walk home, that little indoor Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, I know. She's she's one of those kids that will be like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm so glad I did it. Oh, yeah. Me too. That's how, yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm after a run. So, so that's one of the secrets, really, is basically being brought up having to, you know, instead of things being easier and easier like they are in Western society, it's, no, you have to, pretty much your life is hard. You can, and then you come home and you're, you know, taking care of the, the cattle and, mm-hmm. the, you know, you're actually, you know, they're in the fields, like, working. These kids are working all the time and then as adults, too. And Does he talk about, like, how the kids, like, act, like, what their temperament's like? Like, do they seem happy do they seem down like they they seem kind of like uh muted like they don't you know they're they're definitely energized and energetic when they're running around you know free time free time but they you know he's talking to one um one you know gentleman who was describing his experience as a kid and how life was and it's just very like yep that was it it's not like a happy Flat memory affect, it's yeah. not a happy memory of having to be Having to grow up this so way. there's some downs. There's definitely some downsides it's, to pushing kids and and like letting kids be kids is a really important thing. But I think the I think the upside is, I mean, obviously, don't ever beat your children. Oh my god! <laughs> like seriously, I could and the parents on. aren't beating the children. It's the teachers, right? Well, <laughs> but as I said to another to a child yesterday, no grown up should ever hit a child for any reason ever because she said oh well 
my mom was spanked when she was little, but my mom would never spank oh me. I'm like, that's right, because <laughs> no grown-up should yeah. ever hit a child. Um, but um, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's, like, the benefit is these kids become pretty resilient. athletic and pretty resilient. But I bet there's a way to implement a little bit of that in modern culture, too. You know, like, part, so much of it, like which kind of stinks because it's hard for us too, is to kind of like as grownups, as adults in these kids' lives, is to slow down and like force the activity, like right. like leave that 10 minutes earlier so that we can do the walk. Move versus, more. Right, right. That can be probably pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. So that so he, So he that's sort of what he's finding out is maybe the secret is that it's not like, things that they're doing as adults because that at first he's like trying to figure out is it because they you know wear a certain kind of shoe or don't wear shoes or um nutrition wise their food is very simple mostly it's just this um cornmeal based um ugali i think it's called that they that's like primarily what they eat so they're actually eating it's almost vegan except for if they can afford it and they have a cow they will they drink milk that's a super big status symbol to have your own cow yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, vegetarian based mostly. And then, um, you know, they don't have a lot of, there's just not a lot of ways out. There's not a lot of ways to make a so good living. So running is kind so of like the ticket out. Yeah. If you can become a superstar runner, then you will have the means to then buy that cow and, yeah. you know, and, and have your own little, a little house on your own, all that. So it's, it's, it's kind of a hard life, but, um, well, that's interesting that, like, he hasn't really seen, like, because he's been training with them. And with his them. training had, I mean, it, it's, I'm assuming it's made it made him faster, but right. maybe not. But he struggles uh, to keep yeah. up. And that's kind of cool to hear his experience with trying to keep up and the, just the amazing speed. And one of the workouts I loved is their, their fart licks. So they did, they were going to do, you know, they, they all gathered and they're told, okay, here's what we're doing today. It's 25 minutes hard 25 minutes easy it's one one minute intervals and I was like oh my gosh so they're doing Galloway yeah so they, <laughs> so they isn't that great out. oh and the other key is they are all at altitude of course oh yeah, yeah so they're training and living in altitude so that of course has benefits to your cardiovascular system you know you can fake altitude with saunas yeah you can so if you have a sauna a dry sauna um, or a hot bath, you can kind of like fake the effects of altitude. Get your blood flow to yeah. actually teach your blood how to bring more oxygen to your muscles. Yeah, yeah it increases natural um, erythropoietin, like naturally your body releases that too, so that it creates more red blood cells. And then when you have more red blood cells, obviously that's your oxygen delivery system. That's your muscles. And so, yeah. um, so increasing red blood cells, that's that's how you do it, but that's how altitude faster. works. Yes, um, in the long term. So, so this fart, like, so they, so they met, you know, Sunday morning pre-dawn. They, they always meet pre-dawn, even though they don't bring lights. Then they start on this workout. He quickly falls back to the back of the pack. He's running with a, a young lady. Turns out, you know, she's probably like seventeen, eighteen, because um, that's where he falls back to, not being able to keep up. And they just, they just have a beepy watch. They're not paying attention to distance. They're only doing, you know, at a minute they walk, and then in a minute they, uh, or not walk, I'm sorry, they jog, and then, you know, the next minute they push, and it's, you know, a, a hard run, obviously. And then when they finish this, you know, total of 50 minutes, 
they turn around and walk back to the city. And so they get this long recovery walk at the end. Yeah. And I think that that came up, like Naomi was telling me about it. Like, as I was saying, oh, I think the fact that we stop our runs, you know, about 0.75 of a mile away from my house, like that recovery walk is really like important when it comes to um, our training. Like, I think that it works really well. So... Um, so you would definitely recommend running with the Kenyans. Oh yeah, I'm and definitely you're, enjoying it. You're still like three pages and then. Oh yeah, bed. <laughs> I'm re- yeah. I read a few pages a night and then I have to fall asleep. So I'm, yeah, I'm probably like sixty percent of the way through. Well, I've been reading peak performance since December, so <laughs> I'm like I'm right there because uh, I'm reading peak performance. Steve Magnus, Brad Stolberg, um, they co-authored this book. And in the middle of co-authoring this book, actually came up with the idea for the passion paradox. So they co-wrote both of those books um, kind of at the same time. And I did read the passion paradox. However, I don't think I ever finished the last like four chapters because I have that horrible habit of like reading most of a book and being like, I got the gist of it and then putting it on my (laughs) shelf. Thanks, ADHD. Yeah, I was going to say. Gonna um, but what's great about, but actually my memory is super good. Yes. So I can pick up a book that I haven't read in like even as long as 10 years and like read back the last couple of pages and immediately remember all, everything that I was reading. And, and I'm the opposite. About I can't remember what I read last night. So yeah, <laughs> the opposite problem. My memory it's is It's really like, it's really strange. I've always been like that with books, like actually, and with articles. So yeah. When Naomi was talking about um, the planter treatment, treatment, and I was like, well, there's there's this great study from 2015 about the comparisons of of cortisone and and PRP PRP at 12 months and the confidence interval. I was like, the confidence interval is really good. And I remember I sent it to Amanda. I was like, I'll don't worry, I'll find the study. It was on 60 heels. And like I like like immediately like found the study and sent it to her because I'm that's just it's an amazing ability. It's not quite an eidetic memory, but it's like yeah. I wish it was just a little better because then I could be like a supercomputer. It it, it <laughs> seems like one to me. <laughs> Your recall. So tell us about, yeah, a little bit about peak performance. It's on my list. Um, it's, really gr- it's really great. So um, basically it just talks about the, it really, really dives into the stress plus rest equals growth and talking specifically on stress, that stresses need to be just hard enough, like barely hard, because if they're too hard, your brain is basically going to be like, nope, too hard. I'm done. I can't do this. And it has the opposite effect. And if it's, if it's within your capabilities, it is not going to cause any push. So challenges, right. Challenges have to be kind of like just right challenges, just hard enough. And so that was really interesting. And then just talking about some of the, the best performers, um, they really were talking about how they were not multitasking when you sat, when they sat down with some of the best people in the world, um, best high achievers and performers, that was all that person did. So no multitasking, no, your phone isn't near you. There's a lot of talk about how cell phones cause stress. Even when they're near you, you kind Mm -hmm. of like have that reach to like that impulse to look at it. And so getting it out of sight can really help keeping it out of mind. Um, And so it's, it was just, it's just a really great book. I can't wait to finish it. 
and really like look over more strategies for rest and how to hack it. They talked a lot about the Google um, mindfulness and using mindfulness. I have always had a hard time with like sitting down quiet mindfulness, meditation, meditation, that type of thing. But I find our runs are very like, Mm -hmm. that's a very Zen kind of present moment for me. And then I swimming really is for me too. When oh, I have I have music, but I don't. Swimming. Yeah, that's why it's the <laughs> silence of yeah. Yeah, that's um, very meditative. That's yeah. I I spent so so many years staring at a black line. I love listening to music when I swim. Well, because yeah. <laughs> but what I was gonna say is like years ago, I made a joke that I was gonna like patent dog meditation, where. You okay, so this is what you do, and now now somebody else is gonna make a million dollars off of this. <laughs> so basically, it's how you can get in the most present state ever. You go to your dog and you just pet them and you look at their eyes mm-hmm. and you try to match your breathing with their breathing, and you just like are with your dog and you just like enjoy them. And if they look happy, you smile and you just like get in tune with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's also some good mindfulness or even actually when you're walking a dog, if you just like, like let them smell and just like pay attention yeah. to what they're doing in the moment, because that's what like the goal of meditation is to just clear your mind and just like be present in the moment. And if something pops in, you just acknowledge it and let it float away. I uh, I think you can do that while being active. Yeah, definitely walking is one of those great ones. Especially, yeah, again, you're not looking at your phone, so that's right. huge. But yeah, and you're just, you know, you hear a bird chirping over here. You see, you right. know, we live in a very, you know, wooded area. We've got like, you know, you see the deer over here. You see different things. They just kind of, you just kind of let it graze by and, yeah, your thoughts are just clouds that pass through. Yeah. And you're not, like, focusing or fixating on anything. Yeah, so, and walking, I mean, it's walking is seriously one of my favorite things to do. I have become one of those little old ladies that, at 40, <laughs> that, like, if I have to wait somewhere, like, I have to wait in car line every day to pick up kids. I, yep, I leave, <laughs> I leave the bus or I leave my car and I just walk loops around the parking lot to get my steps, <laughs> which is so dumb. Um, but it's, it's, it's hilarious because I would have laughed at somebody yeah. who did that like 10 years ago. We'll be mall walking next yeah, in like I know. five years. <laughs> oh my gosh, this podcast will keep, it'll still be going and it'll be like how to like, I don't know, <laughs> it'll be ridiculous. Um, but yeah, but it's funny how, how as you get older, you start to, like, slowing down is okay. Like, and, and that's just even just, like, the intensity of life. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of grateful to be, uh, I mean, hopefully we'll actually have some kids. But, um, like, he- heading into parenting at this age, like, I feel, like, so, like, ready to take it on and, like, little things won't matter, if that makes sense. Like, as you've gotten older, has parenting gotten, like, easier? Like, the zoom out of, like, like, not taking not taking their reactions as personally. Or just every little thing that, you know, with my first, yeah, it was very, very anxious, and it was very, like, you know, everything was supposed to be a certain way. And think that was part of just age being, you know, I was 29 when I had her. And then versus now, yeah, at, at, you know, my more advanced age and being like, you know, having a toddler now and approaching 40, it's very different. Like it's, 
it's hard in certain ways, but it's also like, yeah, I'm way more, um, you know, settled about things. I, yeah, things don't have to be perfect and yeah, you just go with the flow a lot more. And that was my mantra a lot with, with him just because I knew I wanted to prepare for that, like for yeah. the difficult parts and go with the flow. Yeah. And so it was just very, you know, you just figure out a way to just, de- yeah, just disengage, just, yeah. just detach a little bit. I think. Not- so, focus on things. so we use conscious discipline at my center, which is actually more of a behavior like I, I the word discipline makes it seem like it's it's strict. It's not at all. It's um it's basically where you just take behaviors communication and as adults it's our responsibility to interpret that communication and we have to Q-tip, quit taking it personally. Um, and so it's it's really like that. Like you kind of go with the flow. You don't take what they're doing personally and you just help them through it. You know, my favorite saying when a kid is just having a hard time is you're a good kid who's got some big emotions right now and I'm here, you're safe. <laughs> you're safe, keep breathing, you can handle this. Yeah. Um, I say that a lot. I say that a lot in running. I'm safe, keep breathing, yeah. I can handle this. Um, So the last thing that I have on here is comparison is the thief of joy. And the comparison trap can really happen uh, with other runners and then even with yourself. As we're going out there, um, you know, I, I can't help but compare my last marathon training cycle to this marathon training cycle. And they're very, very different. I was in very different shape heading into my last marathon, my last, not, in, not no, Boston, the last one you actually my trained last for training cycle. <laughs> and we have been teasing it, but we've got to talk about how I crammed for Boston last year because it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, just a little teaser. It started with one day during work or like right after work, I went out for a 13 mile run after having not run for four weeks or something. It was ridiculous. Um, but I did great. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to run Boston. Um, so, but comparisons to the thief of joy. And so I went on my Strava and Strava has this like fitness percentage thing. I don't like it. (laughs) But it's so great because when I looked at it over two years, it was very depressing. When I looked at it over six months, it was very powerful. It was really, really cool because it was close enough to where my fitness had improved like 62%, right? And so it's all how you interpret the data. Well, the thing also I I, want to say too, like Kara and Daz on their new pod, Kara mentioned that you know, when you have this training cycle and you, whether or not you meet your goal on that yeah. race, you're, at, you know, the next day, you're not starting back at zero. Even if you take off a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you have all of that fitness built into yeah. you from before. Even if, yes, you've now come back down, you've got to kind of start again, which we both have been through that. We're both kind of like trying to get back to previous times. We still have that built into our Body somewhere and your, and your mitochondria like remembers yeah. like you'll like your body muscle memory is definitely a thing the thing is like you also can't let that muscle memory take over like you have to balance everything with like your what is your current aerobic capacity what's your current mm-hmm. muscular skeletal fitness and then what does your muscle memory know how to do because I could probably go out there and for you know two to three minutes run 630 
but like I couldn't do it for two to three minutes multiple times to finish a mile in order to do 14 miles like that. Like that's not where I'm at. So So. back to that one quick thing from running with the Kenyans. So basically, um, you know, he's pointed out that most good runners, you need at least 10 years of really good base before Uh you, um, to be able to, like we were talking about before you start in on marathons or really get good at marathons. And so in Kenya, if they've been running back and forth to school since six, by 16, they have this like kind of amazing base. So that puts it in perspective, like thinking about a decade or more, not yeah. just like, oh, okay, cool. What about this last year or two years I've done this or that, or I haven't yeah, done this. Yeah, that's a really I'm good I'm going to go back and look at this whole decade and think, okay, because 10 years ago, I was, I had just done my first half, basically. I was yeah. not anywhere near the level I was three years ago. So you have to look at this big, yeah, that's broad a, perspective, not right, right. Looking at looking at the broad to see how far you've come, right? Yeah. But then also don't chop it in half and compare where you were at your peak to where you are now. Right. Look at where you are like after you came down from the peak in in your build. And so the Strava, like Strava fitness uh percentages. Sure, when I looked at two years, I was like, oh, but when I looked at six months, six months and three months, like I was very pleased because it did show kind of how my fitness has improved since starting this training cycle. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really important is um, analyze the analyze the data that actually matters. right? Right. So you know, data sets are only important if the analysis is correct. And we've all seen everybody like, you know, kind of mess up data because, you know, it, well, it's also in training. Think about this. Like if your goal is a marathon, right. And you're going out and racing a bunch of five K's and 10 K's, um, and like getting really great times in the five K's and 10 K's. And it doesn't necessarily, correlate to but your goal is a marathon like what you're doing doesn't necessarily translate to a good marathon performance where you need specific marathon training instead of these you know 5k's and 10k's that all right let's say you're trying to get a time right in the marathon that's equivalent to a 47 minute 10k and you're out there running a bunch of 46 and 45, 10Ks, that you might actually miss your marathon time by a lot because you're not figuring out how to get that. You're not actually right in the right place with your training. That's a hard, I'm trying to explain it, but (laughs) like my brain. You can't just translate it up. You can't just scale that up. So you have to do that long, slow distance. You have to do enough easy miles. You have to have enough recovery. So if you're racing in five and 10 Ks twice a month, you know, in your training, that, that might not be the right that, mix. Right. Exactly. I guess. And that was a poor example because it, it wasn't like specific because there are some people that I'm sure can do that. Um, but I just know that when I've raced a lot of short distances leading up to the marathon, it didn't necessarily improve my marathon performance. But when I did a lot of slow, long base, it did improve my marathon performance. My marathon performance has always gotten better when I've done those long over distance runs versus when I haven't, when I've mm-hmm. cut those short and done only 20 mile, 20 miles instead. Right. So, 
Um, you know, because I, I did two training cycles where I did not go over, go up to the Jeff's long, slow over distance. And those were my, those were my worst performances compare comparatively. Uh, I mean, they were still great performances, but just, I didn't get the percent improvement that I was like hoping for. Mm -hmm. So comparison is the thief of joy. Don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. Um, Don't compare your beginning to somebody else's end. It's just going to like, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look on the small scale where you started and where you are today. Right. You have to take a macro lens. You can take a micro lens and kind of look at what's going on the last yeah, this training cycle, this last few weeks, this last few months, then look at that macro lens again because it's not And and just... if it looks bad and if it looks bad, you're probably not zoomed out enough. Yeah. Right? And that that's the thing with Strava, it only goes back two years. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this looks horrible. But what if it went back to ten years? Right. It would show this improvement this over time. So all right. With that, I think we have our longest podcast episode ever. Yeah, thank you if you stuck it out this long. And we hope that you really enjoyed it. And we'll be back with more episodes uh, definitely every Wednesday. Um, and, yeah, I hope that uh, that you like what we have to say. And let us know if there's anything that you'd like us to cover. Yeah, and rate, subscribe, follow. That's and right. Send us, yeah, send us feedback. We are really excited and send us questions so we can. Try oh to yeah, them for sure. Out. For sure. You can find us at rengallowaygirls.com. You can email us at rengallowaygirls at gmail.com. You can email us okay. at gallowaygirlsrun at gmail.com. You gmail. can slide into our DMs yeah. on Instagram. Uh, you can Facebook message yes. us. And we have a Facebook group if you want to join uh, for more. Um, and then you will also find us at Jeff Galloway's Half Marathon in Atlanta um, in March, March 18th and 19th. We will be there yep, for Barb's as, 5K and Jeff's half. Yeah, and we'll be there as part of the Galloway Ambassador team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so excited. We have a discount code for that race, 10% yes. off Ambassador 23. And yeah, we will see you next week. <laughs> Bye, Bye, everybody.